Disclaimer, this podcast contains adult language. Hello there folks and welcome back to the Armchair Pundits with myself Lester Lindsay and Hammy Hamilton. Folks, I need to apologise for the absolute state of my voice throughout this episode. Um, we left it an extra day to see if my voice could be back to normal, but however, that is not the case. It is still absolutely gone, so you'll need to put up with listening to me for the best part of this episode. Sounding like this. Hammy, my man, how are you doing? Oh, I've just about recovered, to be honest, mate. Um, I'm getting there, though, but uh, what a night Friday night was, eh? Aye, aye, aye. it was all right. Calm down, Cy Ferry. Um, what? I said, calm down, Cy Ferry. What a night oh. Friday night was, eh? <laughs> Must have some stories. <laughs> <laughs> I did sound a bit like Cy Ferry there, to be fair. Aye, absolutely right. Let's let's get into this game, because um, I've been I've been dying to talk about it for the past two days. I've not... Um, obviously, it's took us too long to record this, so let's get into it. Um, the lineup comes out, you can make your back door absolutely buzzing, but also a little bit kind of playing anticipation. You talk us through the lineup. Steve Clark's obviously went. I think the main, the main inclusion that you can notice was Billy Gilmore, wasn't it? Oh, aye, absolutely. It's the, it was the last name in the team sheet as well. So it was right at the bottom there for all to see when they uploaded the team onto Twitter. And I, I don't know, I just. Because that was the first name that I seen, because it just stood out, number 23, Billy Gilmore. I thought, oh my God, as he went with Patterson as well, as he went, who else has he went with in this lineup? But, um, you know, as I tried to work out the formation, found out Scott McTominay was playing the back three, which made it slightly more difficult to work out what formation we were playing. But um, once I got there, I seen Callum McGregor was in there as well, alongside Billy Gilmore. It was just delightful. Um, Stephen O'Donnell was still on the team sheet, which was disappointing for me at the time, because obviously what we said about him last week, but... Fucking hell, did he prove us wrong, eh? Oh, listen, I never said anything bad about him. I've always said Stephen O'Donnell. <laughs> no, absolutely. As you're saying, there is. I, I think when you've seen Stephen O'Donnell's name in the team sheet, um, the way, you were a bit disappointed thinking, what, what, has, what has he got to do? He actually get dropped. But um, in that England game, it, and much to a man, like everybody in that Scotland team, he was absolutely incredible. Um, I, I would personally give Stephen O'Donnell a man of the match. Just We started the game off in the front foot, um, and it was down the right-hand side. A lot of chance. It was like, Good, good uh, play at the start of the game. It was between Stephen O'Donnell, Shea Adams, and I want to say John McGinn. I could be wrong here. I was half cup watching the game, so I'll, I'll do my best to remember who was involved. But um, Stephen O'Donnell whips the ball in. Shea Adams unluckily gets a, a poor connection on it. And on our day, it's 1 0 straight away. Um, and I think a lot of the attacks that we had during the game did come down that side. And that's why we've been critical of Stephen O'Donnell. Is defensively, he seems quite sound, but attacking, he's not been there. And he absolutely in Friday night, he was. Listen, I've, I, we obviously watched the game, can't really remember too much about the game watching it live, um, although it, it wasn't really live, was it, or like slightly, like maybe two minutes behind or something <laughs> with the stream that we had on, but um, watching it live, I can't honestly remember much of the game, there was just phases that I didn't do, um, went to bed that night, still obviously a bit drunk and stuff, uh, watched like the highlights, watched the post-match interviews and stuff. Woke up the next day, completely forgot all about it. Watched it all again. Watched the full game again. And since I've watched the highlights, I got three or four times. So the incident you're talking about in the third minute, you know, I've actually got this to the <laughs> team. But anyway, it was actually Billy Gilmore, O'Donnell, and um, they play a, a nice wee one too. And Billy Gilmore plays through Stephen O'Donnell with uh, John McGinn. And then it's um, into Shea Adams, who does Fluffy's lines. But... Having watched the game that many times, I can comfortably say, obviously Billy Gilmore got man of the match, 
but he was nowhere near Stephen O'Donnell. I, I, I swear, not just because we were slating him on the last one and we're trying to sort of redeem ourselves here, I would honestly say Stephen O'Donnell was was miles above it. Um, and I'm, I, I know that this might sound like I'm trying to patronise him or whatever, but he honestly had one of the freak games. Mm-hmm. And having, having played the game myself, I know exactly what happened. See that first five minutes? when he made that chance that we, we went through that you're talking about, yep. that gave him confidence. I, I'm telling you, for then on in, he got the bit between his teeth. See the full way that Scotland players play? See the full sort of functionality a Scottish player when they play football? They get the bit between their teeth. They're aggressive. They drive at you. A bit like how you would imagine Kieran Tierney plays every single game. He looks annoyed. He looks, you know, he get that. He get the bit between his teeth. And he had a freak game. Not only was he going forward, um, his defending was exemplary as well. But that was the freak part of it, was the part that he was actually getting forward. And he was just, he was everywhere. Every Scotland attack, he was involved in it. For me, he was the absolute standout man in the match. I'm not sure why they gave it to Billy Gilmore, to be honest, because it was so apparent that it was definitely Stephen O'Donnell. But so many players in that, that team had, had a great game. I, I'm actually looking at the team just now. I'm struggling to name you a player that actually didn't get past marks. I, I don't think there's anybody who would be below 7 out of 10. Um, maybe Davy Marshall, because he had absolutely nothing to do with the full game. Um, looking at that team, I mean, the lineup was announced. We've seen Scott McTominay was in the back line. Me and you have both been quite critical of Scott McTominay as a defender. And a Scott on top... Um, but for some reason, whatever it was, I don't know if it was because we're just so excited for the game. When the team lineup was announced and I seen Scott McTominay and Kieran Tierney and Grant Hanley in the back line, I was actually I was quite confident because I thought Steve Clark, he's, he's watched England Croatia. Um, he's seen that England, they're going to press high. And if you play a Jack Hendry or a Cooper in there, you've not quite got the same level of skill on the balls you would have with McTominay and Kieran Tierney. I think the, the full system was set out perfectly to try and like, stop England doing what they want to do. Play very narrow at the front end of the pitch to kind of force their full team to come in. And then defensively, you'd have a bit of talent back there. It was, that was the biggest problem with Croatia was they had they were forced to go long far too often. England mopped it up and just got a second wave of attack. But Scotland were quite clever not doing that. Just, three minutes in, we're playing one-twos to get into the, the final third and get a ball into the box. And that seemed to be the message of the full game. You mentioned there, Stephen O'Donnell was absolutely man of the match. Um, but the other side as well, that's Scotland's main threat, Kieran Tierney and Andy Robertson. The two of them, again, like listen, we're essentially going to go through this full squad here and just go, listen, they were amazing for a now-now draw, but <laughs> you can understand it. That everybody was, to a man, absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think Grant Hanley deserves a special mention as well. Just in the middle of that back three, he's the only centre-back there. He's trying to command that back line. And he's done it absolutely outstandingly. He's just ruined Harry Kane's international credibility. That's it. He can do it for Tottenham, but he cannot do it for England. Grant Hanley's just proved that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm finding myself getting more and more excited the more I'm talking about this. I actually, I'm finding myself like a wee boy here on Christmas Eve. I can't yeah. believe we've actually managed it. No, 100%. Uh, Grant Hanley was absolutely immense. Um, had Harry Kane in his back pocket the full game. He's a unity a guy, isn't he? Shows mm-hmm. a bit of pace as well. He's an animal. And I see that back three, although Tom McTominay, I'm, I'll stand by it. Um, he, he becomes too... He, he plays like a holding midfielder when he plays in that back three, you know, and he tries to dribble the ball out, and more often than not, he actually loses it. 
in possession. Mm. Um, well, I wouldn't say more often or not. That would happen quite often if that was the case. But you know what I mean? He, he loses it more often than you would like. Yeah. He's playing with that back three. Um, he gave the ball away to Raheem Sterling. I think everyone will remember that. That was uh, about 10 minutes in or something. And uh, the commentator, I think famously, we can say now, um, that'll, that'll go down as one of the quotes that will live. And it was like, England are really cranking it up now. <laughs> to the bit where uh, Raheem Sterling crossed the ball and Mason Mount Mason just Mount, couldn't yeah. open his body up, couldn't uh, get the, the shot on target past Marshall. And he just put it wide at a post. Um, McTominay was at fault there. He's gave the ball away. But that back three just honestly gives you so much confidence. Kieran Tierney just looked annoyed the full game. Just a typical Kieran Tierney performance. Do you know something? I've actually never seen him have a bad game, ever. See, even when I, he was playing right back with Scotland, I've, I thought he was brilliant at right back for Scotland. After he was like, ah, oh, but he's, no, he's a left, he's left foot, he's a left back, blah, blah, blah. Honestly, he had some game at right back for Scotland in, in his right back days. But honestly, I, I've never seen him put a foot wrong. He is, he's world class for me. He's he's ridiculous. Him and Robertson together, you know, it's, it's they're just brilliant together, aren't they? It's like Laurel and Hardy. Like you wouldn't have one without the other. It's just, <laughs> it's working so well. It's like Bill and Ben, you know, Abbott and Costello. Jack and Victor. <laughs> aye, um, Bill and Ben. Oh, I've done that one, didn't I? You did, aye, Bill and Ben. Um, Blowing at Scotland, I think Frank Sinatra. As I said earlier, we could go that through that Philly Scotland team and just say that they had the game of their life because I think it'd be fair to do so. Um, but let's look at our opposition for a second because England came into this game strong favourites, and I think rightfully so. They, they, they do have a, a far better team than we do. Um, but for whatever reason, they couldn't they couldn't get it taken in the day. Um, I mean, look at some of the talent that they've got in that team: Raheem Sterling, Harry Kane, Phil Foden. That's Potentially going to be Man City's front three next season, and that would be one of the best front threes I think we've ever seen. But if, if they have three, but they play at club level, that could be, and they couldn't get past us. Behind them, you had Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice, three high, high touted young midfielders as well. That again, just couldn't get anything going. I think if you're looking at England for players that had a good game, I think John Stones, I think you could maybe argue the case, um, and Rhys James, and other than that, maybe Jordan Pickford as well. But that's, that speaks volumes. As it was saying, England's best player were three defensive players. Going forward, they, they couldn't, it's not if they didn't create anything, they just couldn't. Scotland were just so up for this game. And that's what I kept saying before, it was England can have all the talent in the world. They can. They could have Messi and Ronaldo in that team, the both of them. But I don't think there's any chance that they could be more up for it than the Scotland players. That's what I'm saying. It was just, it was, it was like watching the 90 minutes in Belgrade. You know that way, where the team's just working together. Um, just playing for each other, nighttime game, which I think somehow spurs on the Scottish team. I think the fault of the Czech Republic game was it was a two o'clock kickoff. Um, if it was played at night, it might have been a different story. But you've right. We'll go to Shea Adams, but Shea Adams for me in that game, it was like, did you hear that thing that Sai Ferry said the other week about that he likes players and we we need to be promoting players that ask for the ball constantly. It doesn't matter if they make a mistake, but it's just their willingness to to, yep. to try things, you know, to get the ball and make something happen as opposed to getting the ball and playing it back or maybe hiding for 10 minutes. But Shea Adams absolutely epitomised that the full game. He missed, his finishing was really poor, I, I, I suppose you could say. And for a lot of players, that would knock their confidence. But honestly, see his work rate, see getting back and everything 
constantly asking for the ball, constantly having a shot, having a go, playing boys in. He was he was phenomenal as well. I think behind um Stephen O'Donnell and Billy Gilmore, I would then give it to, to Shea Adams. He would he would possibly be at eight out of ten. Um he would have been a ten if um he had just had a wee bit of more finesse about his finishing and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? But I thought he was absolutely exceptional as well. Yeah, and it's a straight partnership, Lyndon Dykes. Um, Dykes has come under criticism, I think, by a lot of the Tartan Army for maybe the past three games. Um, he's not quite been at the races. He's not, he's not, he's not, how am I trying to say this? When he first kind of lined up for Scotland, it, it's, we thought we'd found a, a right number nine, a, a Scotland striker who was willing to do everything, create chances, score goals, throw his body about. I'm not saying he's not been doing that. He's just not been hitting the level that we, we, we can't expect from him. Um, and against England, it was up against Tyrone Mings and John Stones. Tyrone Mings is a very, very physical player, and John Stones is arguably one of the best centre backs in the world at the moment. And he managed it. But Shea Adams and Lyndon Dykes, they, I wouldn't say they bullied them, but they, they I think they got more breaks of the ball, and they, they seemed to force the issue. They were, they were not dominating. Was, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were getting a lot of luck. They were getting a lot of change out of the England defence. Um, Lyndon Dykes hit his volley, I think it was at the 70th minute as well, and it was cleared off the line by Reese James. And I'll say it again, I've said it before on this podcast, I said it before the episode, uh, the game, as Lyndon Dykes plays 10 times better for Scotland when he has a skinhead. And when he shaves that hair, it becomes a total, just a Scottish guy. Like when he's got the fancy blonde hair like Paul Gascoigne, nah, nah, take, that, take that in the bin. When he's got a skinhead, Lyndon Dykes, you know you're getting a performance out of him. Aye, um, he was just I played Lyndon Dykes with a skinhead at night, and um, <laughs> we'll, we'll win the tournament. Um, any if you ever try to hand us a two or a five o'clock kickoff, it will be getting it will be getting turned away. But <laughs> honestly, it's just I I don't I don't know what else to say on the game. We've covered every position there. Um, possibly say a wee bit more about Billy Gilmore. Um. 20 years old, making his first competitive debut, throwing him in a game like that, and he was just so comfortable, wasn't he? He controlled the game. He didn't do anything too fancy. He wasn't like a Stephen O'Donnell, you know, making assists, having a shot on target and stuff. He just, he controlled the full game, and that is exactly what he does in every single game. He's like, every cameo he's played, he gets man of the match. Every cameo he makes, any start that he makes, he controls the game. We've seen him against Luxembourg. He only played 30 minutes and he controlled the game in that 30 minutes. It's That's what he does. He's like a, a total Iniesta, a Pirlo. You know, he's, he never grabs the headlines. You only see him in there for man of the match and the fact that he always has a consistent rating. But I thought he was just a typical performance and I'm just so buzzing for him and I'm so buzzing for the future of Scotland because looking at that squad right now we've got a, I would say we've got maybe three world class players in it if not two if you're if you're including McTominay or whatever you've got Gilmore in there potential to be world class um, and you've got just absolute quality top top players in there in the likes of you know John McGinn um, and well, it isn't world class but when he plays for Scotland it, it steps his game up a level well, no, but that's what I'm saying. The, the the two that I would definitely give it to is Robertson and Tierney. I think they yeah. are world class. Uh, McTominay, you could argue he's world class in terms of his age and the position that he plays in. If you if you think about, you know, that sort of role, the whole whole midfielders, he's got to be in the top ten in the world. 
you yeah, know, behind absolutely. your Cantes, behind your Tony Cruises, behind your Modric's. I think it's it's got to be Scott McTominay's in there somewhere, especially for his age. Um, and then your top top players, is that what you're saying about John McGinn? He just becomes world class. His, I wouldn't quite go world class, but it becomes it, 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 he's a very very talented player. But when, he, when he's no no, him. I'm not I'm not saying he's world class. I'm saying is that what you're saying? Like no when no he puts no. Scotland, yet? no is that what you're saying? So John McGinn, he's arse. He, he, he just puts his arse in. Yeah, his arse should be insured <laughs> because it's a he's his best trait. It, it ah, his arse be, is world class. <laughs> that's what I was trying to get around there thanks for helping me out there um, Billy Gilmore as you were talking about what I liked about him is it's his, it's his ability to bring others into the game it's the, the wee one-twos that you don't generally see in a Scotland midfield so that when you're talking about Stephen O'Donnell and whenever Billy Gilmore as you're talking about Shea Adams always wanting to make stuff happen Billy Gilmore's the exact same. Like constantly pointing exactly where he wants the ball. He's drawn out in his in his mind how he's planning attacks, how he's planning to recycle possession. He's not he's never just taking the ball and then lifting his head up. He's always thinking about it before he receives the ball. He's a player he's a very, very clever player. Um and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more than having a Scott on top. I think Callum McGregor, let's let's just do it. The full squad, right? I think we've only got Callum McGregor to talk about left. Um was very, very quiet in the game. And I think that's actually the role that he was asked to play. Was kind of just to mop up, as I've spoken before, but McGregor is sits deep and he'll try and cut out passes and cut out and make blocks at the very last minute. And again, I think that's what he done. He done it, but done it well. Aye, hundred percent, definitely. Um, so we'll get on to it then. Croatia on Tuesday. Do we go with the same team? What's what's the thoughts there? Um, it's it's hard to argue that you go with the same team into um because. Although, although we get a draw against England, we still haven't scored a goal. That's something we'll need to do against Croatia. Um, if you want to get three points, obviously you need to score goals. It's something that we haven't had luck with yet. Czech Republic don't have that great a defence um, near the Croatia. Um, England do, obviously. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if I'd start Scott McTominay at the, at the back. I think I would bring back um, Cooper. And I put McTominay in the midfield, and I would give him more freedom to go forward. I'd like to see McTominay and Gilmore in the middle of the pitch, um, and give give McTominay that freedom to go forward and be a box to box like he is at Manchester United. Not sitting guard in the back line. If you're playing with five at the back, you've got enough cover there. We need to have a bit more braveness about us, and and we're going to take those chances to get goals. Um, what about yourself? How would you line up? So who are you dropping? Then are you dropping Cal McGregor? Yeah, aye. For Liam Cooper and then pushing McTominay up. Aye. But what's our best outlet to score a goal then? So do you start Michelle Adams and London Dykes there? I think aye. I think you start with the same team, just put McTominay in the midfield to try yep. and bolster that up a bit. Aye. And what about O'Donnell? Because as I was saying earlier, it was he, he was absolutely outstanding. There's no taking that away. But I think it was a bit of a freak game for him where he just the first ten minutes just went all down his side. He was so involved. Did he get the better? He Raheem Sterling, he was getting the better, he looked Shaw. And his confidence levels just went up. You seen him, he was like a warrior, wasn't he? He was mm. it, it was the rain was pushing down on him. He had fucking bits of grass over his head and stuff <laughs> like that. And he just looked like something out of Braveheart, no that way. And he, he just went for strength to strength in that full game. But going into that game, I would probably start Stephen O'Donnell as well. But as you're saying, we need a goal. I like that for you there when you said we haven't scored, and that's what we need. It doesn't matter what happens on Tuesday, we need a goal. It doesn't matter. If we want to have any chance of qualifying, a draw is not going to do it. We'll get fucked out with a draw because our goal difference is, is one of the worst. 
Um, we ideally we need to beat them three 0 Um, two 0 might do it. One 0 might not cut it. Just by the way, like if you look at the the third place teams just now, you've got Portugal. You know they're top of that pile there. They've got a plus one goal difference, but they're on three points already. You know we're only on one point. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So it's like a, we need a, we need a, a win. Yep. It's a it's a massive mountain to climb, but maybe a win might not be enough. That would be the most Scottish thing to ever happen is the fact that we could win this game and the results from other groups, you know, namely your Portugal, uh, Austria, Finland, Spain, you know, they're all on three points. Some of them we 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 an equal goal difference. So it would be the most Scottish thing ever for us to actually beat Croatia, but not by enough. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um I, 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 Steve Clark will know better than us. Um, I think, again, Stuart Armstrong, when he came on, um, he only had 15 minutes against England, but Stuart Armstrong looks... He looks like the Stuart Armstrong of old, that I can remember it's, it, it, um, it's tail end at Celtic, where he was just a fluid footballer. He, 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 liquid football, his feet just... There's something about Stuart Armstrong, when he's in that groove, he looks absolutely unstoppable. So I think maybe, uh, to try and fit him in as well, maybe keep McTominay in the back line and put... Armstrong instead of McGregor. There's a million and one ways you could make us more attacking, but the issue is, is when you make us more attacking, is you lose that defensive robustness. And Croatia are near any slouches. Do you know they've got they've got a good midfield and they've got some good forwards and Andre Rebic and Andre Kramaric. They've got goal scorers in there. I think Kramaric scored something like 24 goals for Hoffenheim this season. Um, so you you also need to remember that it's not just a case of going out there scoring a goal and that's it. You've got a serious serious opposition coming up against as World Cup semi finalists. Um, it's still going to be a slouch, but I'm going into the game confident after after Friday night. I would say that's that's the main takeaway. I like for going into this game, I'm feeling the same team, and I think that is what Stevie Clark's going to do. Um, the way he's came out and he's praised the team, the way that um, you know the full Scotland camp have came out very very positive after the game. Steve Clark gave him the day off yesterday, you know. So in in, in the aftermath of the England game. You know, you've got four days until your next game and he's gave them the day off. That, to me, tells me that he's gone with the same team. You yeah. know, they've already done all the preparation. They've already done what team's lining up where, the shape, the formations, the who covers what when Tierney goes here and who covers what when, when O'Donnell ventures up the park. Um, I, I, I think he's going to go with that same team. And why not? Because it done the job and I think a goal was just... It, it was just a matter of time. It was one of the games, wasn't it? I think if we yeah. played for another 90 minutes, there could possibly have been two or three goals. To be honest, it wasn't a nil-nil game, put it that way, because everyone's saying it was the game of the tournament so far. Maybe there's a bit of UK bias in there, but people are saying that it's the, the game of the tournament and it was a nil-nil, so it does show you that it was end-to-end. I Absolutely. Well, there was 20 attempts. 20, 20 attempts, plus there was, uh, was it 11 corners, I think this that was. So it's not as if it was two teams camped in. Like, I've, I've heard a few English people say that Scotland's played with 10 men behind the ball, but it's absolutely not the case. Um, both teams were up for it, both teams went for it. We had more shots, more shots in target. Um, and it was it was, it was a cracking, cracking game of football to watch. Like, one of the best now nils I've ever seen, without, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, this has been so disorganised, I'm still just, my, I can't quite get my head around what happened Friday night. I do apologise if this has been a bit all over the place, but it's just it's raw emotion coming out on in camera here, isn't it? It is, aye. But uh, England, right? England aren't they going to do anything in this tournament? I think that. <laughs> right, okay, let's get straight into slagging them. No, honestly, like get it up them because for the full week we had to listen to Rio Ferdinand. Who's that wee prick that does the kickoff? 
who said we're going to put six or seven by them? Rory Jennings. Rory Jennings. What a wank he is, right? <laughs> so he's straight in the bin for me. He's the first player I thought. He's the first player. He's the first person I thought about when, when that full-time whistle went. Get it right up him. Get it right up Rio Ferdinand who said he's never went in with a, to a game with this confidence, you know, England are going to stroll it. Danny Murphy, he's another one. Wank. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you could just honestly name loads of them. Gary Neville, wank. No, I mean, we'll just go through the full the full media squad here. But uh, <laughs> no, honestly, like every single tournament, it doesn't what ha- doesn't matter what happens. I think it's been going on since about two thousand ten in my head. When I reach a point in the tournament and I go, they're just they're still overrated. And yep. as a Scotsman, when you go into this tournament because you are fed the English media because you are fed that you actually start to believe it a wee bit and you score yep. oh wait a fucking minute here England are favourites for this tournament and and, in, and there's eight games at Wembley and oh they've got world class talent here Harry Kane he's, he's undeniably world class albeit not at the minute Sterling on his day you know Pep Guardiola's one of, one of Pep Guardiola's main men since he's been in charge at Man City and Foden as well the, the praise he's got for Guardiola and co as well um, so going into the tournament, it always does feel like, shit, if they do that, what am I going to do? Like, I'll need to take time off work. I'll need to, you know, put in a, a green. <laughs> I'll need to take a week after you hide. <laughs> I'll need to go into, like, I'll need to put in a line at the doctors or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Or a bereavement or, a, do you know what I mean? It's like somebody died if they had to win the tournament. Do you know what I mean? So, you do that. All these emotions start do playing on your mind, you know, and it always reaches a point every single tournament where you go, oh, hold on a minute, they're just, they're overrated, pish. Because, see, years ago, when they had your Lampards, your Gerrards, your Roonies, it was always not Joel these Campbell. players. Aye, absolutely world. brilliant players. Aye, Rio Ferdinand, um, you know, the list goes on, Paul Scholes. Uh, they were world-class players, David Beckham, you know, Michael Owen won a Ballon d'Or, do you know what I mean? But this England team now, overrated. Honestly, overrated. Listen, I think that as you're talking about 2010, I think this is a real turning point for England as well. As I don't know if I'm overrated is the word that I would use because they do have some brilliant individuals in there. The, the problem is they are individuals, they don't seem to want to play as a team. Southgate's system, it seems to be quite similar to Mourinho of old. Like when Mourinho was at Chelsea and then at Real Madrid and at Milan, it was very kind of a 4 2 3 1. But the four defenders and the two holding midfielders, which would be Adekar, Nice, and Calvin Phillips, have no freedom to make it forward whatsoever. And then you're four ahead of that, you're uh, Mount, Foden, Sterling, Kane. They seem to just get told, use four, need to create goals. So it's almost like playing two teams, like in the one game, if you know what I mean. It's it's a weird system. Um, and my biggest criticism of England would be, is that every tournament they want to have the youngest squad that's got the most potential. So let, let's look at this England team now, right? So young players, um, Rhys James, Declan Rice, Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips, Phil Foden, they are players that started our night. I'll be amazed if even two of them go to the next tournament in England because they're very quick at getting young players hyped, getting them at a tournament, they don't perform amazingly, and then that's them binned. Like that's them, that they've had their England chance and that's it. And then the next tournament, it'll be the next crop of 20-year-olds that are coming through. They don't seem to show faith in, enough, in players for long enough. The mm. biggest issue is the media for me. Just on I the back of them. Saying they ruin them. They ruin them far. They put far too much pressure. Look at Marcus Rashford. You know, at one time he was touted to be the next Ronaldo. You know, at Manchester United, um, scored in every single one of his debuts. Now look at him. He's he's had far too much pressure. Far too spoke about. 
for my liking, to be honest. Um, and now look at him. Um, he, he, this is the thing as well. Like, he couldn't even get he couldn't go on until the seventy fifth minute. Only look at the talent that they have on the bench. Um, I, I, I honestly don't think Southgate is the man for that England job. They've got, they've got incredible amount of stars, and they're using a guy who got sacked to Middlesbrough in his last managerial job. Um, and the most interesting thing is, by the way, see if we beat Croatia. If we beat Croatia and the Czech Republic beat England, and there's a three goal swing involved, so say England get beat by two. Um, um, or not an ECB, sorry, we beat Croatia by two and England get beat by one or more by the Czech Republic. England go into third and we go into second. Aye, so aye, aye. There's loads of different possibilities. Yep, absolutely. So come on the Czech Republic and come on the Scotland. Aye, exactly. Well, well, I'm on the shit because he, he, it's just a one-man team, isn't it? We have at the <laughs> present moment. Um, scored three goals already, but aye, just to go back to England there, mate, that they're just overrated. They always have been. Mm-hmm. You're saying that you don't think individually they are. They they definitely are. Even the likes of your Phil Foden's, your Mason Mounts, your Sterlings, they're they're nothing. Look at the French team. Look at the German team. Look at some members um of that Italian team that we're seeing at the present moment. You know, they're underrated actually. Yeah. You know, and they're nothing that these England players wouldn't get in their team. Like that 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 is me just speaking out. It's the same every tournament. Um Wayne Rooney was a great player, but he was overrated still. I don't know how they managed to overrate a world-class player, but he was overrated. <laughs> you know, honestly, like the, the Lampard, amazing player, amazing, probably top 20 in the world ever to ever exist, yes, but he wasn't top five like they made him out to be. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, they they do always overrate their players. John Stones, remember he couldn't get a game for mm-hmm. Man City at the start of his career. You know, and Reese James, I really good Champions League winner, but is is he what they make him out to be? I, I really, really doubt it. Phil Foden as well got on the ball probably most touches in that game against Scotland. What did he do? Nothing. You know, m- missed a couple of good chances as well. Again, overrated. Declan Rice, overrated. You know, whereas we we actually we're actually the opposite for that. Scotland. We can't stand them. Right, I don't know. Get him to fuck. Exactly, we we are a very negative country, which is maybe holding us back. You, you need to find a balance, you know. Aye, absolutely. Um, Hammy, you up for doing a quiz this week, mate? Yes, I'm a very okay, much. Okay, luckily so. enough, because I've actually I prepared one this week. Um, if you want to get a minute up on your your phone. Yep. Let us know you've done so. I'll run through the rules as you're doing that. So the rules are as follows: the same every week. Hammy will have one minute to answer ten questions. This week it will be Euro themed because we're doing Euros now. If you don't know any of the answers, Sammy, feel free to pass. You get average six seconds for a question. If you're taking longer than that, pass it. If you've got time, we'll come back to it at the end and then we'll go through it after we've finished it and see how you go on out of 10. Cool. I've got a minute right. ready. Your time will start as soon as I finish the first question. Cool. Which country has won the most European championships? Germany. Who is the youngest player to ever play at the Euros? Buffon. Two nations still have not scored. Name one. Scotland. In which year did Antonin Penenka score the Penenka? Seven, 1976. What broke Grant Hanley's washing machine on Saturday morning? Uh, Harry Kane. True or false, the last time Scotland played a major tournament, Kylian Mbappe wasn't even born. 
Give me O'Donnell's full name, please. Stephen O'Donnell. What was Steve Clark's first job in management? Uh, Chelsea, Chelsea assistant. Who was uh, sorry? Who has the most goals at one European Championship tournament? Shearer. Question ten. I'll get you right. Name right. one of only three nations. To Since have you think about ten minutes to ask me a question, ten. <laughs> <laughs> Name one of only three nations to have won the Euros on home soil. I their own country. Yeah, I, I guess that. Um, oh, that's fucking tough. Ah, Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia, right? Okay. Which country? I've done fucking the- terrible here, Hunter. That was solid, man. That was <laughs> that was that was hard. That was tough. That was very very tough. And see the shoot up, man. Can I just say before you even go through them, I'll go Platini. Okay. Is that an official answer change there then? Yes. Right, okay. Question one. Which country has won the most European championships? You said Germany? Yep. That is correct. They are tied with Spain for three each. I would have accepted either or, or both. Um, has Spain won it three times, aye? Mm-hmm. Yep. I knew two, but I didn't... I... I thought they were like a Portugal that hadn't won anything prior to it, but I think you're right, actually. It was at 82. And, and way it was back in Spain. when I, I was it years was ago. It was in Spain, winter. Yeah, it was actually, actually one on home soil, I. Um, who is the youngest oh. player ever to play at the Euros? That's a terrible... Oh, mate, don't even... I don't... Just skimmy all that. I said before, and what an absolute idiot. It's not before. It was actually on the last Euros. It's uh, Jude Bellingham. Oh, um, right. Two nations still have not scored. Name one of them. You gave me Scotland. Could you name the other one? Give me 10 seconds or something. And you've already had eight. Who's no squad? I'll just try and fill a bit of time here, folks, so you're not having to listen to absolute silence. All right, on you go. I can't hear. It was Turkey. Turkey have not scored a goal of the Euros. Um, And which year did Antonin Penenka score the Penenka? You said 1976, which was correct. Um, what broke Hanley's washing machine on Saturday morning? It was Harry Kane falling out of his back pocket. That was correct. <laughs> um, true or false, the last time Scotland played at a major tournament, Kylian Mbappe wasn't born. What did you go with? I went me. I went me true. He wasn't born yet. True. That's correct. Give me O'Donnell's full name, please. You went with? Stephen O'Donnell. Stephen O'Donnell. You've missed out his middle name. Patrick or something. Which you will never ever forget after this, I promise you. It is Stephen Gerard O'Donnell. You're joking. Uh, no. Stephen Gerard O'Donnell. Um, question eight. What was oh Steve Clark's first job in management? Uh, Chelsea assistant. Yeah, he was an assistant manager at Chelsea, but West Brom was his first job in management. Um, who has the most goals at one Euros tournament? What was your final answer? Platini. Stick with Platini? Yes. Right, okay, that is correct. He scored nine goals That's in the right, 1984 aye. Euros. Aye, because he overtook Ronaldo. Uh, sorry, he overtook Ronaldo. Give <laughs> it <out> retirement. <laughs> Fifty-five year old. Uh, no, Ronaldo overtook him the other day for most goals scored in the tournament, and it was when I looked into it a bit. We Michelle Platini scored nine mm-hmm. in total, but that that nine was all in the same tournament. I can't remember. It was in the the nineteen eighties. Eighty-four. Yeah. Eighty-four. Aye, that's that's ridiculous. That's incredible. Win it that year. He scored the he scored the final as well. Platini. Nine goals in the one tournament. I think you don't even play nine games at the fucking Euros anymore, do you? you play no, I, back then, what was it? Was it seven games that he played? Aye. And I, as I say, he had a goal in the, tour, a goal in the final as well. Just 
that must have been some tournament for him. Yep, and name one of only three nations to have won the Euros on home soil. Who did you go with? Czechoslovakia. I went with Chai, Czechoslovakia. All right, you could have had Spain, France, or Italy, but not Czechoslovakia, I'm oh, afraid. Um, how did you go on here? Then we got one, two, three, four, five, six, six out of ten. Six, but man, that's all right considering how solid that was. Plus, ah, that I wasn't an easy one. I think I should get a half mark for the Spain one. What one? About winning it in home soil. I did mention that about 10 minutes after you'd asked me the, the question. Uh, I don't know if I got a wee half mark. No, no. No, no, <laughs> no obviously. Sorry, no. No. <laughs> I gave you one for Harry Kane falling out of the back pocket, so. <laughs> you know what, I mean? what were you looking for? Uh, exactly, to be fair, was what I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Anything uh, else you want to say before we wrap this one up, Amy? Come on, Scotland. Tuesday right. night, sun hopefully will be shining, eight o'clock kickoff, Lyndon Dyke skinhead, and let's beat them 3-0. Like, who who would have thought that, that it would come to this? Because before the tournament, we said it in the podcast, that there's no chance we're getting a result against Croatia, but it end, it's ended up being that Croatia have been absolutely hopeless. So <laughs> we'll see. It's, it's, very, it's just typical Scotland, isn't it? Very optimistic. Getting you so nervous for it. As always, thank you very much, folk, for listening to the podcast and taking the time to do so. Make sure you're telling your pals about us and you can get us on Twitter at TA Pundits. We've been talking all things Euros over there, not just Scotland. So even if you have a soft spot for another team, come over, join the conversation. It's all just a good bit of fun. You can hear us on Spotify. You can also follow us on Spotify to make sure you never miss uh, an episode. You can also get us on Apple Podcasts and on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review. Make sure it's five stars. If it's not five stars, don't fucking bother. Cheers, Jim. Cheers, Jim. Cheers, Jim.